0: Welcome to another edition of For the Health of It. I am your host, Corian K-Pad Padgett, and today I have with me uh, successful brim, uh, treywan Briggs, and Dr. KJ from the Minority Psychology Network. I want to thank you all for coming in. Thank, thank you,
1: for you for having us.
0: Good deal, good deal. So, uh, successful, we'll start with you. Uh, I, I don't want to say it like this, but... Who are you and what do you do?
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. So um, as you stated, my name is Successful Brim. Um, I'm the founder and president of the Minority Psychology Network. I'm also getting my doctorate in clinical forensic psychology. And um, yeah, so... Each one of us have different um, parts that we play in um, the minority psychology network that's very vital, such as um, you know, being advocates or um, mental health professionals. So um, now you're gonna get to meet the rest of the team and you're actually interviewing today the Sports and Mental Health Committee.
0: Yes, uh, so Dr. K.J. Sup, hi
2: everybody, I'm Dr. K.J. Um, What am I? I'm a mental performance coach, consultant, uh, counselor in training. I have a doctorate in sport and performance psychology, a master's in leadership and sports management, as well as a bachelor's in uh, psychology concentration sports. So, if you kind of got the drift, I really really love like sports and you know, understanding how the mind works. um, It's my favorite realm to be in. I'm also in school right now for a clinical mental health counseling, um, masters. So that way I can really provide those services needed, um, you know, ethically as well as give them that, that counseling care that they need. Uh, so that's me. That's what I do.
0: All right. Sure. Juan.
3: Hey everybody. Um, uh, name's Trey Juan Briggs. I am the chair of the sports and mental health committee. I'm also, um, along with the rest of the group now, a doctoral student officially, Uh, (laughs) and um, a very strong advocate for student athletes. Um, I particularly deal with holistic development um, and social capital, um, and just really finding ways to support student athletes off the field overall, um, and also primarily work in leadership development with um, college
0: institutions. Okay. All right, so what is, uh, for both Trey and Dr. KJ, what is sports psychology?
2: For sure. I'll go ahead and take that. Um, I kind of wrote notes, so if I'm looking down, that's what it is. Uh, Basically, sports psychology is a scientific study of people and their behaviors in sport and exercise, Um, you know, through the context and practical application of that knowledge. So what we do as sports psychologists or mental performance coaches is we work with athletes on breaking through those mental barriers. A lot of people think that to get to that next level, it's just physical. When in reality, how your mental game is will affect how you maneuver. So what we do is we, we study that. We study whether people need more motivation. We study whether, um, you know, people are too relaxed um, in their maneuvers and if they need energization or if they're too jittery, how to calm them down. We teach them mindfulness. We teach them tons of mental skills, training and tactics for them to be able to, get past the, uh, the setbacks and barriers and be able to really achieve um, you know, performance excellence. So that is kind of the gist of what we do. Um, we really started it because you see athletes are out there, they're getting burnt out or they're frustrated and they're not understanding how to kind of channel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, why, why are you upset? You know, Why are you missing these, these simple skills in essence which really aren't so simple? Um, you know what's getting to you is it the crowd noise how can we help you guys alleviate that distraction so we set to work with athletes individually work with them as a group we work with the coaches on understanding team culture team development as well as understanding their players needs because a lot of coaches have their expectations and what they think works but everything is not cookie cutter and you have to really get to know your athletes to really develop that coach-athlete relationship and from there you you define it for each person, assess their needs, and then you can be a better coach and really help them get to that next level. Um, so that's really just like an overview of what we do as sports psychologists. And what okay. The field does.
0: So how does how does somebody get started in the field of sports psychology?
2: Good question. So um, some schools are now coming more to having this actually as a major. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still fairly young. Um, It's been around roughly about 50 or so years. And what you do is just go study psychology as a bachelor's degree. Um, And then from there, if your school has a sports site, definitely do it. Sometimes it may be called like exercise psychology, whichever performance psychology, study that. Then you're going to want to go get higher um, higher education. So you need a master's or um, even higher than that, like a doctorate. And you'll find a program, you'll intern, you'll apply that work. And then, upon doing that, you're also gaining hours to be able to sit for the CMPC exam, which is a certified mental performance consultant or coach exam. And then, once you pass that, you just have the title as certified mental performance consultant. Um, so, a lot of people will do that at the master's level. Um, you can also go up to a doctorate level, as I and many of my colleagues have done. And then, it's the same requirements, the same amount of hours. And then, you fill out all the paperwork, confirm that you have it, they connect with your people take the exam you pass, and then you get your certification. You don't need it to practice, but it is helpful um, for when you're doing like legal and other ethical things. Some some people just prefer to have that certification, you know, for the credentials. To actually become a sports psychologist, you'll go along the same lines as it would to actually be a psychologist. So you would then go to get licensed. Mm -hmm. And then upon being a licensed psychologist, then you can wear the term sports psychologist.
0: Gotcha gotcha so uh, as of today uh, today is May 30th, 2020 uh, is there a such thing as sports psychiatry or psychiatrists or sports psychiatrists?
2: To my present knowledge no, we well, sports psychology as a pr- actual profession. yes, there are many sports psychologists out there. If you were to go to like the APA, Mm-hmm. You can search, um, I cannot remember what exact division we are, but you can go there. You can also go to Ask, which is the um, Association of Applied Sports Psychology, and you can find actual, like, sports psychologists in your area, you know, what they're doing. You can assess their credentials, you know, who's new, who's been around, and even on there, they'll even say specifically to what certain sports psychologists or even CMPCs do, because um, some are just mindfulness coaches, some work strong with goal setting and motivation, know some work with pressure and all that so you can find people to your what you're looking for to your interests
0: okay and so what exactly is it that you do
2: I do a lot of motivation and goal-setting I work with people on feedback I really like you know listening in on okay like what are you saying to yourself and trying to get people out of the negatives I find myself to be very optimistic so I follow more along the lines of positive psychology it's not everybody's cup of tea. So um, I strive to really use a one foot in and one foot out approach where I'm kind of set in my values and my beliefs and everything. Mm-hmm. But then I dip my foot or I'm open to hearing other people's perspectives and what they go through. And, um, you know, just really getting a basis for them. And once I develop that, you know, through intake and whatnot, then I can know how to better assess them.
0: Good deal, um, good deal. What about you, Trey Wong?
3: So myself, I am not necessarily in any of those fields. Um, My work is more in consulting with student athletes and athletic departments. Um, I focus primarily on insight, self-awareness, problem solving, leadership development skills in that way, Um, mostly because we do find, you know, a lot of student athletes that when they're put in these leadership positions, um, for the most part, that is found interesting. A lot of these student athletes don't know truly how to be a leader. Um, they usually figure it out through examples, which means that it's going to be trial and errors, Mm -hmm. or they figure it out through, well, I'm going to do exactly what coach does, but then it becomes, well, am I a teammate or am I just another coach? And most of the time we're looking at our coaches crazy already. So why would we want to, you know, enact and look that same way to our teammates? So what I come in and do with a lot of student athletes is really just consult on, okay, what are your leadership skills? What are some of your qualities? Um, are you a pleaser? Or are you somebody that's more on the action side? How can we, you know, effectively communicate without you having to not be yourself? Um, so that's really been my work. I honestly fell in love with it uh, just because it's helped me do a lot of insights to where when I was once a student athlete and trying to do leadership, I hated it. I absolutely did not want any parts of it. It felt like too much pressure and I didn't want to be looked at as, you know, somebody that was trying to be the aggressor or just like coach. So it was really difficult for me to, you know, speak up. I always believed in I'll just lead by action and that's it. Don't ask me anything. Um, So now in my work, you know, coming back to this, um, it does trigger sometimes, you know, a lot of different things that, you know, I hear kids and I'm just like, Whoa, I remember dealing with that at 19 years old. Like, okay. another chance to you know how can we figure this out what was your own personal experiences but how can we help them navigate through this as well without you know necessarily just holding their hand and put and giving them the answers?
0: so okay so uh you mentioned being an athlete go ahead and give me a little bit of your background uh athletically
3: um yeah uh former student athlete uh played football uh ran track in high school Uh, i went off to cal berkeley for a couple years and i played football there Uh, from 2010 to 2012 and then after I transferred to the University of New Mexico and uh, that's where I finished off my career. um, A lot of injuries, a lot of setbacks Uh, mentally was just was just very tired. It was a lot of different experiences that um, really led me to why I do what I do today Um, but overall it was an experience that I would never you know want to take back or do different Um, It's really helped me build and and figure out who I am as a person, Um, because at the time, when as a student athlete, if if anything that I can say about my experience was it was always hard mentally to really figure out my identity Mm -hmm. and who was I outside of the jersey number. Um, I realized most of my conversations in the classroom was not about the schoolwork, but are you starting this week? Um, Do you guys think you're going to win? How many touchdowns do you think you're going to get? You know, you missed a pretty bad tackle last week. Have yeah, you been improving on that? But outside of that, when it comes to actual work or group work and everything, everyone's hesitant to talk to the student athlete about these things. Um, so it was really hard for me to really try to decipher who I was as a person um, and separating that from what I actually do. So yeah, it's been a it's been definitely a learning journey um, of really just figuring out still how to separate those two and not letting my profession, my career, or my hobbies dictate who I am as a person how people are going to see me Um, especially as a young as a a young black man um, where you know me being in other positions people hear about you know me being in sports and they officially you know I've been in rooms where somebody's like well why didn't you go to the NFL or why are you not as a coach And and I'm just like well it doesn't work that way for everybody and it's sort of an uncomfortable conversation but it allows me to see you know this is exactly what we're looked at and this is what we're expected to be in the nfl in the nba not as an academic advisor or somebody that's belonging in the same room with others um so yeah it's, it's been a heck of
0: a journey good deal good deal so uh dr kj can you tell me a little bit about your background athletically
2: yeah bad. um let's see so i kind of dabbled in a lot um just decided coming from an athletic family why not uh, main background is in aquatics um so I did that since six. Six going forward was a competitive swimmer. Uh, by middle school, got into basketball, volleyball, softball, just something to stay active, just to really test my skills and my abilities. And then by high school, I think I solidified it just in basketball, water polo, and swim. Um, I did that with intent on going to college for it. Um, it was a big pusher for my mom, like, you know, we we're not financially there, so, you know, your sports are going to be your way out. And so, having that be the back burner, but also for me, it was kind of more like academically motivated. Uh, long story short, I ended up getting a season ending injury my senior year um, for swim and was riding on, you know, going to Azusa Pacific and swimming my freshman year of college um, because I, I had similar assistant coaches. My high school assistant coach was my college assistant coach. I was like super juiced about it. Um, so that Bummed me out, you know, losing out this last six weeks. So I trained all summer to rehab, get ready. I get in the swim coach's class, you know, I'm set, I'm ready. Like I'm ready for tryouts. I get in a car accident on the day of those finals, and my athletic career was over at that point, my freshman year of college. Um, so you know, I had dreams, aspirations to, you know, well, why not? I have this gift, why sit on it? But it ended in a bad car accident and having to really rehab my body, learn to walk again, be on bed rest, and. You know, get, regain mobility. But what that did was actually spark um, the door to open for me to get into coaching. And from that incident forward, I've been into coaching and really working with athletes on that injury mindset when they feel like, you know, it's over. Um, and so I wanted to strive to develop programs in the future that really worked with those athletes on their mentality to not see that injury as their setback, but as that springboard going forward that they could, of course, bounce back. Um, so a lot of times, even as a coach, you know, maintain my involvement in sports, I ensured that I was really key to what my um, athletes needs were with their with their injuries, because I hated hearing my coach say, Oh, you're lying about what had happened. I had a hip dislocation and my knee inflamed and um, it was a whole hot mess, but being called a liar and I'm telling my coach, Hey, this hurts. This is what's wrong with me. I wanted to completely change that. So now it's like really part of my, my motivation of what I do now. I'd love to maybe train myself. I'm still pretty young, and maybe playing on a masters team or something to stay involved in sports. But that's really really my background with that.
0: Okay, uh, quick uh quick information from all of you because you all sound pretty young. Uh, how old are how old is everybody here? <laughs> I'm twenty five.
2: Awesome,
0: twenty eight. Thirty. Okay. All right. So I, uh, I am the elder statesman in there. Uh, I am 31. Uh, but anyway, with that being said, uh, Dr. KJ, you mentioned that you were a swimmer. Uh, swimming is not big in the African-American community. Uh, being a sports psychologist now, uh, and looking back at your time athletically, did that affect you mindset wise being, uh, well, first off, I didn't live your life. So how was it? And what was the makeup of your team?
2: um well i live in sunny socal so out here it's not very common uh for me my mom was just like well we are always around pools you need to learn so i was just taught and developed the skill and you know i had lots of coaches that poured into me like growing up so i didn't really see it as a problem i got to swim with my my cousins and so we're all african-american so it was cool then when you go to competitions and you see everybody who's not black uh it's kind of like a culture shock at first, but you just do it for the love of the, the sport. And so right. we just love swimming. So I didn't, I didn't think much of it. My family was there and supporting. And I don't really think it clicked um, until about high school. Because mind you, I swam for about 15 years competitively. And it was high school transferring to a new school um, and hearing kids at a more black school saying, oh my gosh, there's a black girl on the team. There's a black girl on the team. And I was like, well, dang, like, I know I'm black, but I don't think it clicked at that moment because I'm from a dominantly Hispanic neighborhood. You know, I see my black family. Like, it just is what it is. I've gone to, you know, multicultural schools. I didn't, you know, I didn't see race. It didn't affect me. I've always been around everybody in all my sports. But I think it was in that moment, I was like, dang, people really have this conception that black people don't swim. We don't want our hair wet. Uh, we'll drown if we get in we 're all afraid, and you know that wasn't my life, like our whole family were always in the water and so I really tried to make a difference. Um, I did indicate that I went to two high schools, so my first high school I was like well i've been swimming with this varsity team since seventh grade, so I got to like know the program and started telling my friends let 's go swim i'll i'll teach you whatever it takes to so just to try to bring you know more of my black friends into the pool. And I believe, like, my freshman year was like one of the biggest teams. So it was like mm. awesome. But then, of course, me transferring to a different school and the coach not really being able to adapt to that coach athlete relationship with the swimmers, the team dwindled down. And the next thing I knew, the program was gone. Um, at my other high school, it was dominantly white high school. I was the only black swimmer. Um, but they didn't make me feel like I was the only black swimmer. Okay. I had support from everybody, uh, they were super motivating and encouraging. Even my coach was initially. And I just don't even think he thought when he had said the comment to me, he didn't even think twice about it. Um, I think like looking back on it, he'd be like, Oh my gosh, like I was such a jerk. Um, and I mean, being in SoCal now it's, it's grown. There's way more African-Americans swimming. We even have like, um, our Hispanic people swimming and we're, we're dominating and we're almost like equal to the amount of like white swimmers or Caucasian swimmers out there. So For me, I didn't really see it being any different, but I have noticed and I've heard it from other people. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. Okay, I appreciate that. So uh, I'll throw this one to successful real quick. Uh, What is your why? That's
1: a really, oh, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry,
0: Uh, and the other two be thinking of your answers because I'm coming to you next.
1: Oh, they got it good, okay. (laughs) <laughs> but no, that's a really, really good question. I would say um, my why stems from just um, just seeing what's going on around me and my environment. I know um, the whole reason for starting the Minority Psychology Network is noticing that there's a stigma attached to mental health in the minority communities. Right. So um, and even in my families, you know, We've been taught, you know, pray, don't go to therapy, you know, keep all the family business within the family. You know, you have us to talk to. So um, my way is simply, you know, if I have the resources and I have the knowledge and the information, why not just do it? You know, so that way I can be a blessing to somebody else and we can all come together and really, you know, make a difference and help our community out as best as we can in order to help us because your mental health really is your wealth. You know, so if you're not, if you don't have a, a sound mind, you know, your body also um, is affected neg- negatively. So, um, I just want to make sure that I'm doing whatever I can because I feel like, you know, we all have been taught, you know, maybe the wrong way just because, you know, our family, our parents, they didn't know any better. This is what they were taught. So, my why is strictly because if I know I can do it, why not?
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Sherwan?
3: Yeah, I would say my why is, you know, really for me, you know, I'm. I'm into leadership. I love leading just to serve others. Um, I sort of think of it as being a bridge builder. You know, I've already came across all these different experiences and I'm seeing all these things from 17, 15 year old me all the way down to now 28 year old me. And it's like, okay, you know, and just like Dr. KJ, I also coached at UNM. Um, I was a football coach and I couldn't help, but notice like a lot of these cats, we're going through the same issues that I went through. Like, okay, if football doesn't work out, what else are you going to do? Or, you know, I'm getting this degree, but I don't even like this degree. Like I just got put in here because of, you know, they said it was going to be easy for me during football season. You know, I don't know what to do with a liberal arts degree, or I don't know what to do with a sociology degree. Like they were getting some of these things then, but they wasn't really applied. You know, it wasn't really taught. So, you know, this is the, these are the alternatives. These are some of the things that you can do. And, um, it really just made me start thinking and what made me stop coaching actually was it started making me feel like a hypocrite. Like how can I sit here and talk to you about all these great things that you can do outside of football, but I'm also screaming at you and cussing you out because you're not here at the field or here over here doing something that I feel like you should be doing to, you know, dedicate their life to. But I learned that I was conditioned like that because of my upbringing, you know, for me it was football or nothing. Like there was really, Trey, y didn't have no plan B. I didn't have no plan C, like it was, this is what we doing straight up. It's is NFL, you know, feed my family, take care of them, and that's it. And after a couple surgeries later, and I'm sitting there trying to figure it out, it's like, bro, that's not what's going down. So exactly. wasn't um, and I remember how that felt. I, I remember going through those processes and and how my mind felt and how I felt like I couldn't do anything without football. Like I truly felt that um, like I was stuck. And one thing that I promised was, like, man, if I ever see anybody else like this, like, I will tell them, everybody back home, everybody that comes after me, my little cousins, like, look, if you think I was balling and I was doing good, like, that ain't it. Like, you you got to you gotta take a step further. You got to do more. So it really started off with just, like, my personal experiences and me wanting to help family members. And then once I got that coaching gig back at my university and um, I was helping guys that I was playing with when they were freshmen and I was seniors, and now I'm seeing them as juniors. Um, a little bit more age, but still doing some of those things. It was just like, man, I'll be, I'll be a fool if I just let you sit here and waste your life, you right. know, spend your three, four years here in paradise and then go back to the hood with nothing, you know, nothing to account for but this piece of paper that you really don't know how to use. Um, so that's really where my why became, you know, forcing myself into a leadership role so that I can just serve and give back um, because I realized quickly that if I just try to lead by action – I mean, not really speak up nine times out of 10 or maybe seven times out of 10, like I wasn't gonna get the same reaction if I actually verbalized and, you know, talked to others. So that's my why.
0: Okay, and Dr. KJ?
2: That's a good question. I don't know, a lot of my why just kind of stems from how I was raised and the tools that were just like instilled in me. And it's just always to give an impact. and so something like I'm super like strong about. I even know like with Trayvon and like a lot of people in the org are too. Um, remember just years ago saying like, how could I give back? You know, growing up wanting to be a pediatric emergency room doctor because I lived on thrill. I loved uh, I loved everything blood and gory, but just being able to think quickly in those medical situations to help people. Uh, and then of course getting into sports and learning through my experiences and realizing. I have a lot to offer to people, but I just shouldn't just keep it in myself, just get it out there. So my why is to leave an impact that caused like a ripple or a domino effect where I've impacted somebody. And because of the impact that I left on them, they're able to impact and we do this in a strong way and we're leading by example. Um, So when I started my own business and came up with the name like Dominant Impact, I wanted to dominate because I wanted to be a strong impact, something that people couldn't forget. I wanted it to like quake and shake and cause that ripple effect. And when it came to the impact, it was like, what's it gonna stand for? And I it had it be um, individuals mastering critical, oh my gosh, critical, oh my gosh, individuals mastering performance and achieving critical transformation. Right. And it was like super key to what I was doing because not only do you wanna master your performance as an athlete, as a student, as just a person, you wanna achieve critical transformation. I had an issue with like just simple transactional stuff. I'm not transactional in the slightest. I want to be transformational. You know, I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. Um, Not only do I want to be a good leader, but I want to be a good follower and change the way people see the world, change the way people see athletes, change the way people see students. And, you know, having a black cousin, a black nephew who has gone through a lot of things. And yes, you come from a family of educated people. There's still things that, you know, he even missed that I was able to from my experience to be like hey you know you want to check in about this hey no feel free to speak up about this you don't like this grade, you know talk and change and from these situations and these experiences you know I'm able to, to live out my why on a daily um, so that's that's really that
0: I like that I like that uh, so Trey one I want to throw this one to you how would you help an athlete that is recovering after a uh, pretty traumatic experience, whether it be an injury or something a little more uh, intangible, like a loss.
3: Yeah. Um, man, that's something that I've actually been thinking about a lot lately, um, just with what's going on right now, you know, with the, with the loss of um, Brother Floyd and and a lot of other people, Breonna Taylor, and, and the list goes on. Right. You know, I had a lot of student athletes, athletes reach out to me as a lady like, man, what do we do, you know, and it's, it, and it's a mixture right now. It's a, a really interesting mixture of, you know, this pandemic going on, seasons are cut, you're home, you're very uncertain about your future, but you're also seeing other lives around you being taken away that look just like you. And it starts to create a lot of different emotions. And I think the first thing that I feel like I can possibly do is be there to listen, you know, not really, you know, trying to tell them, hey, just breathe and calm down. Like, nah. actually let them assess and actually let them feel them those emotions. Because I know anytime that I was told to just breathe or calm down, and I like, felt like I was being, yeah, it was making me mad. But it was like, it wasn't necessarily making me mad about why are you telling me that? It was more of why are you limiting my emotions? Like, why do I have to instantly calm down when I'm coming to you about something that I'm so invested and heard about why is your reaction Calm down you know I remember even telling people like hey relax and I will see their facial expressions and I start to learn the hard way like bro don't tell people that like that's not that's not what they came here for you're totally shutting them down so the first thing is just making them feel you know making them feel in a safe place to know that they can express these emotions no matter how these emotions may come out um you know how raw it may be and then wherever they might be, we can just take it from there because, you know, it's not a cookie cutter. Right. There's some people that deal with emotions in a certain way or deal with a loss in a way of, you know, you know, I'm, I got a man up. I'm going to be all good. And you got to sort of meet them there and sort of figure out, OK, how can we break that down? And we can take it, you know, a certain way. And then there's others that are just like a complete and complete shock, you know, a complete quote unquote mess. And you have to meet them where they're currently standing. Um, so for me, it, it's really listening figuring out where they're at and then us working together on how to get you back slowly to get you back to where, um, not necessarily where you need to be, but where we can start making logical decisions and we can start talking more and we can start taking a little bit more emotion out of it day by day. You got um, you. But that's been, that's been a huge learning curve for me. and And I'm at a time right now where I'm getting that question almost every single day. And, also at the same time trying to figure out like, man, how how can, what am I doing for myself? So I can be, you know, good enough to actually listen and hear what you're saying without my own bias or without my own frustration. So I appreciate that question.
0: Thank you, thank you. Uh, Dr. KJ, you you brought up uh, being a good leader and being a good follower. So I I really appreciate that, because a lot of people uh, don't tend, or they tend to be a good leader without necessarily wanting to follow or being a good follower. So that is a good thing that you brought up. Uh, Before I get everybody out of here, I'd like to know uh, the background and formation of MPN. Uh, You already mentioned it a little bit successful, but uh, also if you could go into the future of your network.
1: Okay, thank you for asking that, Corian. So um, the goal for the Minority Psychology Network is to build a network of minority mental health professionals and advocates so we can give insight, education, and information to minority communities regarding mental health. Um, In the future, we would just like to be able to um, break the stigma, habit have it to where um, stigma does not stop minorities from trying to get the help that they need. You know, because like I said earlier, like a lot of us have been taught to pray and, you know, maybe you're crazy if you go um, to a therapist or a psychologist or even psychiatrist, you know, um, so. The goal is to make sure that stigma does not get in the way of um, trying to receive those resources. What we do is try to um, give insight and education and information in an innovative way. We do that through um, our different um, events that we have weekly, um, which is like our Ask and PN, our workouts every morning Um, and we have our sports and mental health talks. All of these events give the community an opportunity to um, ask any questions that they have about mental health or those specific topics uh, that we're talking about that week, and also the workout gives you an opportunity to understand that your fitness and your mental health are definitely um, they go hand in hand you know if you're not feeling good you're not looking good or you're not mentally there, it all you know can dictate how your day is or who you are as an individual so our goal is just to make sure that we're spreading as much knowledge as possible, that we're also um, creating more minority mental health professionals and advocates, because more, the more you see people um, that looks like you advocating or becoming um, educated in mental health, um, the more people will feel more comfortable talking about their mental health and wanting to go get help.
0: Okay. All right. And... Uh, the main reason I brought you guys on today, uh, the four and for the health of it isn't just a cool way to write for the health of it. It's also a little bit of a double entendre, uh, mindset, movement, nutrition, recovery. So, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. And lastly, before I get you out of here, if you would plug your, your social media accounts and any other way that the, uh, audience can reach you all.
1: Okay. So, um, our website first is um, just the minority psychology network.org. Um, you can also email us at MPN at the minority psychology network.org. Um, Instagram is MPN underscore MPN underscore. Um, also Facebook is just the minority psychology network.org. And the Twitter is um, the same as Instagram MPN underscore MPN. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, Anybody has any goodbyes or anything like that before I get you all out of here?
1: No, we just want to say thank you so much for having us. Um, when you reached out to me, um, I was very excited. And I know the Sports and Mental Health Committee is always excited to do interviews because um, a lot of people don't really talk about uh, sports psychology. Like Dr. KJ says, really new, but it's definitely something that needs to be um, highlighted. So thank you again for this opportunity.
0: Well, I definitely appreciate you successful Dr. KJ and Sherwan. This has been For the Health of It. And again, I appreciate the Minority Psychology Network, MPN for being on here with me. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.